Hey, so uh, excited to be with you. I was away last week, uh, actually on a, a trip to Ecuador. I'll tell you stories about that at, at another point, but excited to be back into God's Word and working through the book of Ephesians. John did an excellent job last Sunday setting up the, a little bit of the background, exploring kind of what is the, the details behind this book that we're about to study this morning. And uh, we're going to dive right into chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, John... Uh, John, you just made it through two verses. That, that's great. <laughs> All right, well, we're going we're gonna to go a little further uh, th- this morning. Excited to be in that. I was thinking as it relates to our title uh, this morning uh, of the benefit package. And uh, how many of you, here's a question for how many of you have started a new job in the last couple of years. Anybody start a new job in the last couple of years? A few, few people. One of the things that you do when you're starting a new job is you don't just want to hear about the salary. You also want to hear about what's included in the benefit package, right? Because that can really make or break a, a job often. I remember my, my wife some years back, we actually started working, uh, or she started working at Judson University back in Chicago Actually, the previous eight years to moving here, uh, she was working at Judson. Here's our little family on the campus there. And I uh, uh, worked there for eight years. My kids didn't live anywhere other than Judson University because my wife was a resident director. And so that means that she oversaw a freshman girl's dorm and all of the, the counseling and care that that involved was pretty extensive. But here's the catch. They paid peanuts it was almost like embarrassing. You're like, really? That's the salary? Like, are you, are you serious? That's, that's really, you're going to consider that a salary? And, uh, but they said, but you got to understand, there's an amazing benefits package. You're like, well, this, this better be good. Well, here's the benefits package, was that all of your living expenses were completely covered. There was no rent. There was no gas, no electric bill, no water bill, no internet, no cable. You, and, and you had full access to all the facilities there, a pool, a gym, all these different things. And the best, which my wife really appreciated, unlimited meals in their cafeteria where they prepared the food. You set, it on, you set your tray on a, on, a, on a thing when you're done eating and they would wash the dishes. All of a sudden, the crappy pay, oh, I'm sorry, crummy pay, you, you didn't really care about that so much because why? The benefits. You're like, hey, this is the perfect word, which every pastor appreciates, free, free. It, it was a wonderful word, and we enjoyed that. So all of a sudden, we're not quite as concerned about her salary. We're not quite as concerned about uh, kids knocking on our door at like 11.30 at night asking to borrow something or, or water wars that didn't start until midnight. You know, like all these different things, me unclogging toilets, uh, like just miserable things. You're like, well, it's all right because the benefits, you know, the benefits exceed the strain. The benefits exceed the strain and difficulty. And what I would suggest this morning is Paul is writing, as we learned last week, writing from a prison cell and writing to a a group of often new believers and explaining to them, listen, you got to understand, even though you've got some miserable stuff going on, the benefits of following Christ far outweigh the difficult circumstances. They pale in comparison 
to what is received through being in Christ. It's an awesome section of scripture here. It actually, we see that it wasn't a, a real difficult for, for Paul to go into a, a full explanation of just tons of different benefits of being in Christ. In fact, verses 3 through 15 are one long run-on sentence. In fact, you might not know this, but this is the longest sentence of anywhere in all of the Bible. Isn't that fascinating? Any punctuation that you see uh, that's added in there was added as after the translation. In the original Greek, it's all literally one sentence all the way there. Because once Paul starts talking about all the benefits, it's kind of like me talking about Judson University. Once you start talking about all the benefits, he can't hardly stop. He can't hardly stop. Because you remember why? Remember, Paul was a terrorist. He was out trying to kill Christians. He was doing everything to oppose Christ. God knocked him on his back, redirected his life, and now he couldn't imagine anything else. He can't help but talk about it. This is a, they suggest that this was 25 years after his conversion that he's writing this letter, talking about it with you guys. We're only going to get through half of uh, the section this week, uh, the longest sentence in the entire Bible. But we'll get through the rest the following week. But let me pray before we do. It's intended, some passages are intended to kind of challenge or rebuke. This one's really just meant to encourage while I'm praying. But otherwise, we'll dive in. Dear God, thanks so much for this uh, chance to be in your word this morning. And just so much pointed to of your grace and kindness to us. Good. Worthy of all the songs we sing. Worthy of writing music. God, we pray that you're honored through this, this text as we study it, as we explore it. We find out a little bit more about our, ask that you'd speak to us now, that you'd be great, I'd be small. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So diving right in, this is verse three, and you guys, it's so much easier if we're all looking at this together, so uh, feel free to find a, a Bible. Uh, and if you wonder why it's kind of dark in here, we had this row of lights that went out this week from the power, and so we got a new light thing going so I'm trying to work that out with the shading. But anyway, uh, verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And we're going to work through these verses and kind of pause and, exp- and chat through them. The first one is, uh, is here right in uh, verse 3. It starts with, Blessed be the God, bless the idea is this, that he's so thrilled with with what Jesus has done for him, he wants to bless God. And when you hear the word bless, sometimes we're like, oh, that sounds kind of churchy or or weird. But the the word bless is literally to speak good of someone, to speak good. So if you're blessing somebody that you care about, you're, you're literally just speaking and saying good things about him. So what he's doing here is just saying good things about God. He's listing all of these benefits. He's saying, bless God for what he's done through Jesus Christ. And here's how it works. This is the cyclical uh, design that God, God has. God blesses us with time. You can fill in the blank in your own life ways that he's blessed you. He blesses us. And then the natural response, since we don't have the ability to bless him with blessing, like we're not going to do something, he's not lacking something, then we bless him through our response, saying, well, man, he's so great, he's so good, he's so faithful. And so that, 
that, that cycle is an ongoing one, and I would say an important one for us to figure out in our own life. Blesses us, make sure we're blessing him, giving him credit and the glory for the things that he's done. I mentioned a, a few weeks back we uh, find different opportunities through this uh, benevolent fund that you guys give to each month to uh, maybe bless and encourage some folks. And there's an elderly lady. Do you guys remember me talking about this in the service that we got to encourage? She spends part of her time out of state, part of the time here. And she's really in a season of life where she's not necessarily earning a lot to give. She doesn't really, isn't able to, to serve a lot. She's more in a, a season of, of life where she's just kind of on the receiving end. She needs some, some help from different people. And it's been a, a blessing as a church to support her. But what I love is she gets this cyclical thing. Because I, we had sent a, a, a check to help support her and pay for some of her bills. And I want to say it was either two or three thank you notes arrived at the church before she even got the blessing from the church. It was so cool. I was like, man, that's somebody. And I think since then, she's, she's sent another two or three uh, just little glimpses of encouragement. I think about that in our relationship. If you wonder what's going to bring vibrancy to our relationship with God, man, thank yous go a long way for breathing life into that relationship. So what's he, what's he thanking him for? He's thanking God for. He says, Bless, he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, now, why is that a big deal? Some of us, when we hear about these blessings and this heavenly realms and spiritual things, you're just like, yeah, well, I'm a physical being, and I would appreciate some blessing, like, right now. Like, here and now, there's some physical needs that I have. Like, I'm a... And here's the thing that I want us to understand, and this can radically transform the way we see the next whatever remaining years we have on this planet. Here's the clue. A lot of times people say, I'm a physical being. Why should I care about the spiritual? The truth is, that's false thinking. You are, in fact, a spiritual being just spending a short amount of time in this human experience. This human experience is such a small drop in the bucket of eternity. You are not a physical being with some little thoughts about the spiritual. You are a spiritual being with a very limited time in this earth suit. Like, look at you. Like, your skin, your flesh, all, all this is just a very short snippet of time. So then, if somebody was going to bless you, the logical and most more important way for them to roam, because we even see it other places in Scripture, it, it rusts, thieves break in and steal, like it's all passing. The best way that somebody could bless you as a spiritual being would be in the spiritual realm. And that's what he's saying here. I've blessed you, I've put this in a place that is going to actually be lasting and protected. One of the things we joke around in our, our house, I don't know if you guys have some things you tease your, your parents about, some repeated statements that they were known for saying. Does anybody have that with your, your parents? Uh, the, the, my, my, uh, my dad, anytime we'd get like uh, money for a birthday or, or, or Christmas or, or anything, it was always real important. He always wanted to check in, make sure you put your money in a safe place. 
Anybody else have that from a parent? Like, you'd leave, like, $5 sitting out, and he's like, what are you doing? Make sure you get that in a safe place. Like, that was, a, like that was the urgency. There was, like, a desperation almost in our household to make sure your money, whether it was a box in the closet, whether it was a wallet, whether it was a drawer, it needed to be in a safe place. I was thinking about that as it relates to this. You think about for us, if God's going to bless us, where is he going to bless us? The best place. He's like, man, I, 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 better than any box in the closet, better than the wallet, better than a safe in the wall, is say, I'm putting all of your blessings in the spiritual realm, in heavenly places. And what's awesome about this is you're like, okay, okay, you, you got me on this. I can see how you'd make the logic as a pastor that heavenly How much did he give us? And you see it right there in the text that he gave every spiritual blessing. So as going a little bit deeper into the text, I searched that word every, and the, word, the Greek word is pas, and uh, you, can, you can say that and sound impressive. I looked up the definition to make sure we're on the right track here. It means the whole, all things, everything. In other words, we get the whole enchilada. We get it all. Like this is the, this is like this is not just like a partial. You get some of the blessings. You go. You get partial, and you know if you're really good, you'll get more. Like he's like, no, you get the whole enchilada. You get every spiritual blessing possible. This might seem like not that big of a deal, but I'm pretty convinced if the creator of the universe is saying you get it all, that's a good thing. Let's let's uh, interpret by by voting. Uh, you guys think that might be a, a good thing? Like, I'm suggesting that, that it might be a really big deal when he says you, you get it all, you've hit the jackpot. And here's the piece, the little clue of what it says as to what the jackpot is, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The jackpot of this is Christ. He's saying that that's the river that all of the blessing flows through. So if you're thinking, if you're waiting for getting more, if there's more to the, the package, he's like, no, actually what you get is me. You get Christ himself, relationship, and then all that comes with being in right relationship with the creator of and sustainer of the universe. You're like, oh, that's it? Uh, that's all I get? Is it, you're like, really? Like, oh, the, the one that can speak things, that's not enough? Like, no, seriously, let's put that into context. That, that radically changes everything. The fact that you have Christ if you've embraced his work on the cross. The fact that that's part of our benefits package, we could just stay on that. That's the ultimate jackpot. But he goes on to talk about, explain it a little bit further in verse 4. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. This is a, a tricky little section of scripture. Some people get lost in the weeds here. The word chose us is before the foundation of the word. The word chose means you're picked out or selected for oneself. This, this idea has been, been a hard one for people. So basically you're like, you read that and you're like, oh, so it's saying that God picked me to be saved before he created or did any of this. Is that what you're saying? Yep, that's what it's saying. 
In fact, we get a, a, a church word from that you might be familiar with. What, what is the word? Pre. Oh, nice, nice. Some people paid attention in Sunday school. Uh, the, the idea of predestination, this, this picture of God choosing us before we chose him has led to all kinds of confusion. But I would suggest under that umbrella of predestination, it should start by moving us towards an unbelievable gratitude. You mean before I did anything to deserve it? Uh, independent of any of my choices, God chose me, but instead we've made it as a, 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 a instead of a, a source of celebration, we've moved it to a, a reason to divide. You've heard kind of the of the two camps. They're kind of like the Hatfield and McCoys. Uh, you're, you've heard heard of um, Calvinists and Arminians, and really here's a, here's a picture of kind of the pic of what I visualize there is the 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 two two sides of the camp and really the the calvinist if you guys are maybe this is a lesson to some this is how predestination is explained calvinists believe this that god has irresistibly reached out and drawn us to himself without us really having a choice they use terms like irresistible grace irresistible grace they use the verse that we just went through, the fact that he was, we were chosen before the foundations of the world as part of their, uh, their, their argument. They, they would point towards John 6.44 that says, no one to me draws him. Might be familiar with that. So that would be kind of some foundational verse. Indians would say this, you had to choose God. God was knocking on your door to reject Christ. And even our John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that Whoever, who, 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of our God and our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. As if there's tension between those two. Do you guys understand what I'm explaining here? Do you see that the tension? Did God choose us? Did we choose him? How does that work? How does that all work itself out? And so what we've done in response to this tension is we've created camps and we've felt the necessity to go in one camp or the other one. Instead of saying, you know what? Maybe in my human mind, I can't reconcile the difference between the two, but maybe they're both true. That God did choose us, but then we did have to choose God. Like, I, don't, I can't necessarily make sense out of the whole thing, but instead of going to one side of the camp and, and pushing off the wonderful scriptures that validate the other side or going to the one other side and pushing off the, all the scriptures that point to the other side, what if you said, and instead of, I embrace both truths and I'm leaving it up to God to figure out how the two reconcile with each other. Practicing the exercise, here's this, of a wonderful muscle we often don't like to use is I don't get it, but I trust him. I don't get it, but I trust him. Do you remember in our series through Job, like that was the, the big thing that God came out blasting his buddies for. He says, listen, who are you to try to explain me having a same camp with this? Why can't we just say, I don't get it, but it's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool that God somehow sustains being perfectly loving, 
perfectly just and somehow manages all of this. That's awesome. I love Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. And that's the, things, the, the thing for believers to come to that conclusion instead of thinking that we have to have it all solved. What a gift. And really, the fact, let, let's move it back to really the basis of all of this, the fact that he chose a knucklehead like me, why can't that just be a really big deal and awesome news? For you to embrace yourself, to say that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing to know that God, before the foundation of the world, chose you, picked you out. Said, man, I'm going to take them, and we're going to see in a second, I'm going to adopt them. I'm going to make them gratitude rather than thinking that we need to solve it before an almighty God that isn't bound by time or space, that doesn't act or function like we do. So here's the, there, there I went on a little tirade, sorry, but it's important for us to understand this when we're understanding this whole idea of predestination. And ultimately, the big idea for him, he picked you to be perfect. Not, and here's the thing that's important for us to understand as believers with that at the end of that conclusion is this, he, he chose us to be perfect and blameless and that's positionally, not necessarily functionally. Because I, I look at some folks in here and I'm like, man, they're especially here, uh, far from perfect, and uh, I'm teasing, uh, far, far from perfect, but in God's grace he's saying, but positionally be blameless before Almighty God. He moves on in his list of benefits and option to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Love this picture of adoption. Adoption was a relatively rare practice in Israel, but it was a common practice in first century Roman culture. The idea was this, is that you would literally take a child that was not part of your family, it's simple, probably similar to today, and you enfold them into, it's a legally binding, sold it and taken in as one of your own. So a child without a parent is brought in to be part of the family. I absolutely love this picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's taken each one of us. It says that in love he predestined adoption to himself, himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And he's taken somebody that wasn't part of the family said, I'm bringing you in. I'm bringing you in with all the benefits, all of the Everything that's included with being a child, I'm allowing you to become. I don't know if any of you have uh, seen, seen this show. It's called uh, This Is Us. You guys seen this show? Or am I the only one that's uh, watched that? And I, uh, we, we watched this show, and I'll tell you what. The picture, and maybe this is a spoiler alert, but the picture of the parents adopting this son, and they have all these flashback scenes and all the ways that they went the extra mile to really make him feel loved and part of the family is beautiful beautiful anybody like watching this show and so it's just, just a, a powerful picture of what god's grace has done in our life we were outside of the family he said no I, I want you for my own i picked you hand picked you and adopted you adopted you as my own where we were before i i don't know every one of us has a different story but the truth is 
if you've embraced Christ, he's brought you in as a child of the king. And here's the difference between that, because you can have, a lot of times we have this thinking and we'll say, say like, well, I'm a, a sinner saved by grace. And you, you start thinking about, it, yeah, that's, that's true, but adoption changes our perspective on things. It's not just a sinner saved by grace. You imagine if you're, you're, you told your kids that you're like, yeah, you get to be inhabitants in our house, and when you mess up, I forgive you. You're like, no, that's not real personal. Would that have gone over well with your kids? Probably not. But the intimacy that comes, instead of saying you're just a sinner I keep on forgiving, the intimacy that comes to say, no, you're a beloved child of mine. I would do anything for you. I would, I would step in front of traffic for you. My son Chase's 12th birthday today, celebrating with him. My, we, uh, we, we do... Uh, uh, one of the things we do for birthdays is we do these like streamers on their doors when they're coming out in the morning. It's just time, kind of a tradition. And you start thinking about it. You start reminiscing of anything. You're like, man, if there's something on their, their birthday wish, are you kidding me? I'm trying to find a way to figure out how to get this Nerf bazooka thing. And like all, 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 the, all these things. Because why? It's like, man, it's my child. I do whatever I can for our children. It's the design that God has. It's established in Scripture, and that's the picture that he says. In love, that's the motivating factor in this. He adopted us as his own. This was part of the plan from the beginning, and it's all to point, as it's, you see in the text, to his glorious grace. In other words, his glorious grace. He gets the spotlight on him because of this, because he's adopted us knuckleheads. I love in Deuteronomy, it describes the, the, the Jewish people that he had embraced the same. Because of you stiff-necked stiff people. He's like, and really, it all points to, to his glory in us. Just like even you as being a stiff-necked person, he still adopted you and made you his own. Running out of time. Verse 7. That's why you did two verses, John. All right, verse 7. New, new standing. Uh, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. You could spend a lot of time on this. The big idea here, it's right in the opening line. In him we have redemption through his blood. The word redemption, if you're familiar with that, is the idea of paying a, rans a ransom to restore one's standing. We're all familiar with the idea of a ransom, or usually a, a price that was paid. You somebody take somebody that's important to you, you pay this amount to get them back. We've probably even seen movies where that's uh, played out, this ransom idea. But here's the difference in the ransom that Christ paid. It wasn't a dollar amount. It was an exchange. It was an exchange, what does it say? In him we have redemption through his blood. His blood. That was the price that was paid for this exchange. You see, I'll, I'll tell you what, it changes everything. When you start to see the cross, not just as a cross that Jesus was hung on, when you start to see it as your cross that Jesus was hung on. See, that's, that's the difference. You were supposed to be on that cross. I was supposed to be on that cross. And this ransom took place through his blood. He says, you know what? I'm going to take this. 
I'm going to take this for you. So that, what does it say as it continues there? The forgiveness of our trespasses according to his riches and grace. Because of that, everything we've done is paid off, paid in full. This ransom was finished and completed by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so when you're thinking through this, and I don't know when that's going to take root for each one of us. I, I was saved for quite a few years before this really fully sunk in. I remember sitting in a, a balcony at Willow Creek Community Church. They had a, a, a play, they, they showed a, a pre-screening of the movie, The Passion of the Christ. You guys remember seeing this? And I'll tell you what, that hit me like a ton of bricks. As he's being whipped and beaten, hung on this miserable cross, and you're like, wait a second, that was, that was supposed to be me. That was because, because God's a just God. He demands justice for, as a consequence for sin. But instead of us taking it, he took it, he bore it on the cross. It's a beautiful reality. And talk about a benefit package. You're no longer seen as sinful and disgusting and all the things are literally wiped clean because of that ransom that came, and I love John says this often, it was free, but it wasn't cheap. It was free, but it wasn't cheap. It changes everything. Talk about a benefits package when all of a sudden there's this idea of forgiveness of trespasses, the idea of a release of debt, that all of a sudden you don't owe anything anymore. It's all been paid on your behalf. You're like, are you kidding me? I'm completely debt-free. Remember some years back I was uh, mentoring this college-age guy, and he had a, a medical emergency where I had to be in the hospital for a couple days, and somehow he didn't have insurance he racked up like a $130,000 bill. This guy, he didn't, only had a high school education, was working as a security guard, and he's just, he sees this bill come, and he's just like, what, what in the world? Like, that, that's a life-changing thing. How would I ever pay this back? We sat down, and we, I think I've shared this before, crafted an appeal to the president of the hospital, the two of us sitting in the office, sent that off and said, you know what, man, we'll see what happens, but I don't know, buddy. We get a letter back a couple weeks later, actually more like a month later, get back and it said, you know what? The, the hospital decided to uh, release your, your debt and your balance is now zero. I remember sitting there talking with this kid and like just tears coming down his eyes. His, his life had been radically changed because there was no longer a debt over his head. Now amplify that by a jillion and that's us before almighty God. He's, he's, he's eliminated any debt that is owed because of our sin. Talk about an amazing benefit. We'll end with this last one. Verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This was intended. This was a necessary debt that had to be paid in order for things to be reunited. You see, our relationship with God, and those of you around the church for a long time understand this, had been severed because of our rebellion and choice to go our own way. But instead, he said, you get to be reunited to the relationship you were created for. If you're going to put anything on this benefits package, that needs to be at the top of the list. You're re reunited with the God you were meant to be in relationship with. That is awesome news. 
I love watching some of these reunited videos. Have you seen some of these with like a military dad that was away reunited with the wife or the, the kid? And uh, I'm a sucker for those. I don't know. I cry like John Irwin. And, uh, and so they, uh, and so, and so, sorry, John. This, uh, and, and so here, guys, check this, one, check this one out real quick. This is one that really got me. Well, for the past six months, Lieutenant Paul Carroll has been overseas, but he is home now, and we were there when his son got the big surprise. Yeah, we ran this story initially on Friday, but on Veterans Day, we wanted to run it again, partly because it is so special and partly because, well, we could just run one of these every day and, yeah, sure and watch could. it over and over again. Here's News Force Nigel Robertson with the surprise. Just look at him. Josh Carroll, an eighth grader at Lead Academy in Greenville, has no idea what is about to happen. His mother, however, does. Jamon Williams. You see, Josh thinks he is just at another end of the nine weeks awards program, but what he doesn't know is just outside the cafeteria. Yeah, we're going to try to pull it off. He thinks I'm coming home in about three weeks. Yep, his dad, Lieutenant Paul Carroll, is home from Afghanistan. Mom and the school staff. Planned the whole surprise. Today, we also want to pay honor and tribute to another type of service. Now, the moment is just seconds away. The final award is for service to your country. Josh and his mom are called up in front of the whole school. Now, just watch and listen to what happens next. Please make welcome back home, First Lieutenant. Dad and son together again. Nigel Robertson, WYFF News 4, Greenville. All right, so check, let's check some eyes here. Everybody doing all right here? I, I, think, I think as we conclude the, the message, and our hope is this to, to be an encouragement, this text, I think it was intended for its original audience as well. The idea that when you look at the scope of the benefits of being in Christ, this picture, you're, you're just like, are you kidding me? God has been so good. He chose me. He's given me the full gamut of all spiritual blessings. He restored his relationship with me. He designed this from the beginning. All of these things, I would say, should leave us, man, encouraged. Encouraged. God wants, there, there's nothing more that God's still waiting. Okay, I'm going to give him this at some point. No, we have it all. The challenge for the Christ followers is to, to, to lean into that. Enjoy what he's had given to us. Enjoy, embrace all of that. God is good to us. He's good to his kids. We're adopted children. Worth singing about, I would suggest. Amen. Definitely a fitting song for this passage. My hope and prayer is that you would live and bask in that relentless love this week. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday.